Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Rome Versus, episode 148. Steve and Jimmy here with you to talk about a whole bunch of things, Jim. I mean, since the last time we recorded, it's been a, a mixed bag for Roma to say the least. I mean, I guess we have to start by mentioning Thursday, even though it's been it's been a few days now and another match has been played. We can't completely gloss over the fact that Roma was just completely, completely annihilated at the hands of Genoa on Thursday, 4-1. Um I mean, Genoa had, I think, four shots on target and scored all four times, which speaks to efficiency, I guess, Um, but also troublesome in in many ways. Uh, They did rebound yesterday against Frosinone with the 2-0 win, but, I mean, let's just get it out of the way. Let's reflect for a quick minute, like, Thursday. I mean, how are you feeling? Because I know I I tend to be fairly optimistic about things. You tend to be the most optimistic of of the crew here. Yeah. I mean, even even for you, I think it's hard to find optimism after that one. Yeah, I mean, let me put it this way. When I wrote up the match preview for General Roma, I was pretty blunt, and I said that the next several matches were definitively must-win for the club, and if they weren't won and won by a decent margin along the lines of the Roma-Frosinone match, that it would be very understandable for Roma and see everywhere and even management to start considering, hey, what the hell's going on here? Uh, why why is, are the wheels falling off right now? We just invested a huge amount of money to the squad. This is not supposed to be what's happening. And that 4-1 loss definitely, I would say, warranted that type of conversation. And according to reports afterwards, uh, Mourinho and the players had one of those threaded players-only meetings uh, where they talked about all their problems, and the players were like, well, we don't really necessarily think it's us. And Mourinho was like, well, I don't necessarily think it's me. And we'll see if it resolves anything going forward. Uh, but yeah, that that match, that 4-1 loss was a sucker punch. Yeah. Uh, just, I'm, I'm, There's no other way around it. I was... Most embarrassed by Rui Patricio out of anybody in the side. I, I don't think that's shocking to say when Roma allows four goals. Uh, but I think it's important to note that like, I didn't find the rest of the defense to be that bad. I found Patricio to be horrific. Um, and it's only there's only so much Roma can do in the moment. Uh, it's obvious to me that Zvilar 
probably isn't the answer here. Uh, just based off of the lack of appearances he's been getting. Like that one Europa League appearance against Sheriff was not great. Uh, it was fine, not great. I don't see him as a long-term solution. Uh, I'm hoping that regardless of how the rest of the season goes, that Roma starts looking for a player like Marco Carnesecchi, uh, or I believe uh, Lecce, or not Lecce, there's another there's another young Italian goalkeeper, uh, Vladimiro Falcone. Yep, Lecce. Uh, I, I, he is at Lecce, I was right. Um, the, the name Vladimiro kind of threw me off for an Italian guy born in Rome. Uh, but anyway, he's not that young. He's 28. But the point being, bringing in somebody new is really going to be key, I think. Not probably not in January, just being realistic. You don't usually see clubs changing their starting goalkeeper halfway through the season, but definitively next summer, the number one purchase has to be a new goalkeeper. Uh, I, I'm tired of seeing, looking at our, our defense and saying, actually the central defenders are usually quite good. Uh, like I, I think Evan and is not, Roger Ibanez, as Mourinho said recently, he has a lot of he has a lot of value though. He has a lot of ability. And I would say the same with Diego Lorente and Gianluca Mancini. They're quality defenders. So it's not like we're putting forward a terrible defense that a great goalkeeper has to save. It's the exact opposite, that we've got good defenders. And there are tactical issues, I think, at play here. Beyond that, I hope that we move away from the three center back positions some point in the future, but you know. Yeah. I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, Point being, a lot of this has to go on the goalkeeper, and a lot of this has to go on the midfield presence. Uh, Leandro Paredes was horrid against Genoa, like downright bad. I would say that the two players who were very disappointing against Genoa were Leandro Paredes and Rui Patricio. Brian Cristante once again showed himself to be somehow like the saving grace of this side. Um, and I, I think you'll probably agree with me, Steve, that heading into, I guess it's what, match day seven, eight, all in counting all competitions, he's probably been our most consistent player uh, to start the season, both, both in terms of goal scoring. He's second in the goal scoring charts behind Romelu Lukaku. Um, and also just an overall quality. He's looked like our best midfielder. Uh, he was the one goal scorer uh, against Genoa, and he was the one player who I really felt shouldn't be hanging his head in relative shame over his performance against Genoa. Were the, was he the only bright spot for you as well, Steve? Or I mean, it's not like there were that many bright spots, period, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I had to watch it, you know, um, bits and pieces during my break at work and then, and then after work, um, you know, on the commute home. Uh, luckily, I carpooled, so I was able to watch in the passenger seat, but yeah, point, you messaged was, our, was, our writers group. You messaged our yeah. writers group about halfway through. Just the one word, trash. Yeah. And, and, you, and, were, and you were correct. Was, yeah, that was like, I could only sum it up as trash. And it was like, after that one, it was like, you think of those memes of like the dumpster fire. And that's what it felt like on Thursday. It really felt like, like a dumpster fire. And I've been defending, you know, Mourinho coming into year three in terms of like, because in my other podcast I do with my, my two buddies and one's a Liverpool fan, one's a Lazio fan. And, and the, the kid who's a Liverpool fan, who's seen Mourinho at various clubs in the premier league said, you know, year three is the year it all goes South. And 
here I am all summer, like, no, nah, I don't think that's going to happen this time, yada, yada, yada. And, and it's been pretty pretty bad for Robo so far, outside of, you know, crushing Ampli, um, bright spot yesterday getting the second win of the season, but through seven matches and you have you have two wins, you know, um, in the league, it's, it's hard to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow when you think about it because you were when we saw that schedule come out preseason we're like oh okay Salernitana Verona okay Milan's week three and then it's uh Empoli um Torino Genoa Frosinone I expect a lot more than eight points coming from those seven matches I mean I would have expected maybe like 15 points um if I'm being quite honest thinking about what the schedule looked like you know maybe you lose to Milan Maybe you lose one of those other matches somewhere or you draw a couple of them, but never did I expect to have three losses already uh, and only yeah, eight points. Say, uh, yeah. I'd expect to yeah. be in that that range that Napoli and Juve are in right now, that 14-point range or so, thinking about that schedule. I mean, we're still ahead of Lazio, which feels good. They're on seven points, but when you look at the schedule Lazio's played against, the schedule we've played, and it's a little more understandable when you see where they've dropped some of their points to Juve, to Milan. They actually beat Napoli, which was, which was shocking. They've, they've got a couple bad losses. I mean... Genoa apparently um, might as well raise their their flag somewhere in the city, start hanging it up because they've beaten Lazio and Roma. But um, not not to go too much to Lazio, but I, you know, I'm just comparing schedules. They've had a tougher schedule than Roma, so maybe they have a little more room to grow when you think about schedule coming up. For us, we can't say like, oh, we had this gauntlet of a schedule to open the season, and that's why it's a slow start. We're integrating new players. Like we dropped a lot of points against clubs that you would not expect to drop points against. Genoa's newly promoted Genoa. They're not the Genoa of like, you know, that had been in Serie A for a while and maybe was mid-table club some years. Like this, this was very unexpected in my my opinion. I know the Marassi is always a tough stadium to play in. Um, did not expect to concede four. Uh, the the Roma defense last season, I had a much better record than that, and you know here we were coming off the Empoli 7 nothing, And then, you know, Torino was a tough draw, but Torino's been tough. You know, that that's one of the matches. Maybe you thought maybe they could have dropped points away. Maybe at one point it would be the just, um, you know, result when you looked at the schedule. Maybe you'd say, okay, we might drop points to Milan and, and Torino in that first seven. It, yeah, I mean, there, that was like open question we got to talk about, I think that's kind of related to this on the defensive side. At this point, where is Chris Smalling? Um, yeah, like I don't I, think we've seen that was before. one of my big that was yeah. one of my big questions because I was thinking about how Mourinho talked about the differences between Indica and Rodri Banez, and as much as I think that Indica's got quality, I think it's a whole lot harder for Roma to function properly with Brian Cristante as a defender effectively. Um, yeah. and now with Diego Lorente out for a couple weeks. That's basically what they have to do unless Smalling is able to kind of reappear. And I think that defensively, maybe one of the bigger problems for the club is that it's okay for the club to be without Rodri Banez if the majority of the defense minus Ibanez is still playing in that starting 11. But when you lose two guys out of the starting three defenders that played match in, match out last season, you do lose a lot of the defensive identity. Um, Indica's good. Lorente's good. But usually they were brought in as kind of the replacement defender, or at least Lorente was um, last season. He was brought in kind of as the fourth defender. He was the first sub, or he was the guy who played when Smalling was tired. But not having Smalling along with losing uh, Ibanez, I think creates more problems. And I, I mean, you just have to imagine that for, 
it seems like it's not clear at all why Smalling isn't playing. But you have to imagine that hopefully Roma can put on a more positive defensive performance in the future once Smalling is back in the in the in the fray. Yeah, I, I think having him back will help improve things. I, I know it's some kind of like recurring. I think it was a knee thing or something. I thought I read a couple weeks ago. Um, I know they keep listing him as like lack of fitness when you look at like Sofa Score, one of those those lineup cards when the match is in progress, and they'll say who's injured with what, and his will say lack of fitness on, on some of those things. So um, it's not technically like his, yeah, like a knee sprain or anything. I think it's just some kind of something that he, he just can't get right and they're going to need it to be right. I mean, Mourinho talked in his post-match press conference when he was asked about Smalling um, about, you know, hopefully having him back in some capacity on the bench. Um, but that was maybe for Sunday, you know, and when he was asked, when do you plan to recover the defenders? And he, like he so often does, he, he kind of turned it a little bit to, to talk, like point out lack of depth, I guess. And he said, I was watching Juve, and when Bremer got hurt and Allegri put Rugani on, and I thought he was lucky. Florente and Smalling won't be there on Thursday. It's a miracle to have them in Cagliari. I don't want to be too optimistic. Renato would be useful with Brian on defense. We have to wait and fight like we did today. I mean, that was pretty much him saying the help's not coming um, on Thursday and, and most likely on Sunday. Um, and he even was even asked in his pro, uh, press conference by a different reporter, Sanchez and Smalling after the break. And he said, before the break, it's a definitive no for Sanchez. For Smalling and Cali, it would be a maybe a bench that can help us. Like Rugani who comes on for the last 10 minutes in place of Bremer. If he could do it in Cali, it would be perfect. Otherwise, after the break. So um, almost have to hope that the the break, you know, Roma can get through to the break with the defense they have in place, which is probably Brian Cristante playing the center of the defense. And then um, hoping Smalling is back to full fitness in another two weeks. Because I, I do think you make a great point. Like I think Nick is a quality, got the qualities to be a good defender for Roma. Ibanez, some of those mistakes and flaws can be covered up by a player like Smalling sometimes. And, you know, Smalling the past three, four years has been, you know, a superior defender to many guys and said, yeah, in the back of that, that center, that back three. Um, yeah. That's not up for debate. He's been one of yeah. the best defenders in Serie so, since he joined Roma. It makes Ibanez and Mancini's job a lot easier on, on the outside of the back three, right? Those two wider positions, because you know you have a little bit more cover behind you. Um, and Indic is still getting used to the league, used to the tactics and, and all these other things. So I, I think um, it's funny, I actually just, as I'm looking at the, the conference quotes, right above the, the Sanchez Smalling one, he was asked, Indica, what what's wrong? I saw him scared. Um, and Mourinho said he's good with the ball. Without it, he still needs to know the defensive dynamics. It takes time. Um, beyond Romelu, who is a high-level player who knows everything, the one who's headed from a tactical standpoint is Sanchez. As we've seen, others need work, time, and positive results. It's been a tough two days. I'm very happy. So um, right there, he's admitting he needs some time, right? He, need, he needs some time in terms of the tactical point of view, which is why we didn't see him the first three matches, as was indicated, heading into the first international break. It wasn't because... He wasn't fit or anything like that. The Italian league relies a lot on tactics and uh, he wasn't there yet. So definitely Rome was left licking their wounds on Thursday. It brought us to yesterday where it kind of was like must win, right? I, I thought Thursday was a must win and it didn't happen. Um, and it was like, if they didn't win yesterday, shit was going to hit the fan, I think. Because after that match at the Marassi, um, you know, the players and, and Mourinho heard it from the, the traveling fans. Um however many were there, 1,000 or 2,000, whatever was allowed to travel. Um, they needed a win yesterday. 
they didn't play the sharpest match, let's be honest. I mean, they only created uh, a little more than half a goal in XG, but they did get the 2 nothing win. Um, Lukaku continues to be a problem for opposing defenses. He's, he's showing his, I don't want to say prime Serie A form from his inter days, but he's showing why teams still want him um, and, and high-profile teams like the Inters and the Juves, and in this case, Rome is the world. Um, he scored again, fourth time in five matches, I believe it is for him. And Lorenzo Pellegrini got on the score sheet late in the match. Dybala assists, uh, a nice little set piece that uh, Pellegrini was able to kind of run onto and knock home from the back post. 2 nothing win, three, three very important points. I think at this point, that's the most important thing, but still a lot of things I think left to be desired in terms of the quality of play from Roma. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think that the Frosinone score, that's that should be expected. I'm going to be honest. When you have players like Lorenzo Pellegrini, Romelu Lukaku, and Paolo Dybala leading your front line, you should be winning matches 2-0 against the Frosinones of the world. It should be at least one quick goal and then another one to really put it to bed, which is yeah. fortunately what Roma got. Um, that's the minimum, got, I think, right? I think that's supposed to be how you play this game. Um, if you are side of Roma's caliber or expected caliber. Uh, I was very impressed with Paolo Dybala's performance uh, against uh, Frosinone throughout the match. Uh, I also thought that Lorenzo Pellegrini looked far better than he had in recent weeks as well, which is very encouraging. Um, I think that, you know, it's I'm not going to use a match against Frosinone to say that they've turned everything around, just like I'm not going to use quite frankly, any match between now and Inter-Roma on October 29th to say that I have any faith in this club's ability to finish top four. However, I will say that, you know, it was a must-win match, and they won it. Uh, I'll also say that I was impressed by Eduardo Bove's performance, which is really good to see. I thought that he paired quite well uh, with Paredes behind Pellegrini and Dybala in the midfield. I thought that if anything, Bove sometimes made Paredes, he looked better than Paredes, which is a pretty good start for a, a guy who we got to remember is still only 21 years old. Uh, I'm still kind of curious about what's happening with Nikola Zalewski because I feel like I haven't seen him very much to start yeah. this season. And he didn't even get off the that, bench yesterday, right? He didn't get off the bench versus Genoa or Frosinone, which I thought was distinctly odd. Um, I mean, granted, this game was more in hand than the Genoa match, but my understanding of Zalewski's role in the side at this point was not that he was going to be just, like, brought in when the games were practically wrapped up. He, my understanding was that him and Bobe were both going to be, like, key rotation players. And maybe it's a tactical thing, because with the Lukaku, Dybala, Pellegrini front three... I don't necessarily know where he fits in uh, into that starting 11 because I think that he's, even if he is playing as a left wing back, I think that he's more similar to a forward than a, than a fullback at times. I also wonder if part of it might be trying to get Leonardo Spinazzola some consistent minutes, trying to get him some good run time. That might be it just because Spinazzola played the full 90 uh, in both matches and maybe uh maybe he's maybe Mourinho's thinking I've got a healthy Spinazzola right now I should try to use it while I can uh but I did find that to be pretty interesting uh 
I beyond that, beyond for that match, uh, I think that it was really reassuring to see Pellegrini score. It felt like it hadn't it been a while since we'd seen a Pellegrini goal. And we've discussed ad nauseum how challenging it can be for him as a captain of this club while not being a player of Francesco Totti's caliber. And I gotta say that goal that he put in with the, from the from Dybala's assist was excellent. Um, it was a very good goal. And it's the type of goal that I hope to be seeing more from him in the future. Uh, and it's the goal that we know he's capable of. So I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful moving forward that this Pellegrini, Dybala, Lukaku front three can get some serious runtime and can perform against bigger clubs. Do I expect to see them against Servette? Uh, no, because we know that Mourinho has already said that Dybala will not be playing against Servette in the second match day on Thursday of Europa League Group G. Uh, that might open the door for either Zalewski, or Ricardo Pagano, uh, Stefan Al-Sharawi. Who knows? Um, I would expect to see a decent amount of rotation heading into this match because Servette, uh, you know, they're, they're not exactly like the best club in the world. They play in the Swiss Super League and they're eighth in the Swiss, Swiss Super League right now. Um, they've got 10 points from nine matches and have lost three of their last five. So I'm not necessarily expecting that much of a fight against Servette. So I'm thinking that some rotation will come into play there. Uh, and that would probably be good because we know Cagliari is Roma's next opponent. They're, they have two points uh, so far into the season. But we also know that Roma has not necessarily won the matches it's supposed to win against sides like that. Start this one off. Yeah, we'll get to Cali because they they've been you know they were down last season, but they've been thorns on Roma's side for years um, since since I've been watching the club. But to start with Zalewski, you brought up a good point. I mean, I, I just looked at I can't believe he's only played you know started two matches, played in foreign league, forty seven minutes per match. Um, he made the one start in the Europa League for sixty one minutes. I think he played. It, it is interesting I, because we didn't see Spinazzola play two, three matches in a row sometimes, especially 90 minutes back-to-back yeah. matches. Um, you know, we've seen him start back-to-back matches, but usually he's one of the guys that will, you know, get get that sub in the 60, 70th minute sometimes, especially a match like yesterday's maybe where Roma's kind of in control to some extent, or even if they're getting, you know, clobbered like they were on Thursday, maybe you, you save some legs for a player like that. Um <clears throat> but it has been the case. So very interesting. I, I do think he would be a candidate for rotation on Thursday. Um, Servette is probably the weakest team in the group. I mean, it's got to be between them and Sheriff, but I know Sheriff at least has had some Champions League qualifications in recent years. Um, yeah. Servette, I'd never heard of before we get, we drew them the other day. And, you know, I know a handful of the teams in the Swiss Super League, at least by name. Um, so that's, that's one that I was definitely a little bit like... Uh, Oh, who's that team? And I had to look out. They're Swiss, yeah. right? So um, yeah. this is one at the Olympico. This is like the match that you should be able to rotate five, six players and get the result you need. Um, obviously, the, the defense is not going to change if they stick with the back three. Um, maybe it'll be like a fluid back three where Cristante can push into the midfield more in attack and then he drops back in defense kind of deal. He might They might have a little bit more of the ball, I think, in that one than they sometimes do in Serie A. Um, yeah. But you're going to see Mancini, Cristante, Indica. I think you're going to see probably... Um, I think you might see Bove, Al-Sharari up front. I think you might see Zalewski on the left wing. 
Um, I think this is a match for Alwar to get a start, maybe, because um, mm-hmm. he hasn't really started much lately. But Paredes probably has to play um, because your center mid options are, are a bit are a bit thin. You might see Bove again. I think Pellegrini might be the one to get rested because you might not want to push him too hard just coming back from the injury. Uh, Mourinho, you said it. He he made it clear Dybala's not playing. He he was asked, you know, Dybala's... It, was, it wasn't even asked. He was given a statement. Dybala's played three three times in a row 90 minutes, and he said he won't play on Thursday. He's reached the limit. If we don't win this match, I don't know. The Coliseum explodes or there's an attack on St. Peter's. It was a match with these limits. I wouldn't have let him play if he had told me he, that he couldn't do it. He told me the opposite. I told him that now I'll decide he absolutely won't play on Thursday. So... Sounds like Mourinho's going into this one. Like, if we can't win this match without Dybala, um, we have bigger problems than not winning yeah. against Servet, pretty much. Yeah, I think, um, and I think that's 100% accurate. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about, like, reading through the teams in Group G, Roma should be comfortably through. Yeah. Um, the, the, biggest, the biggest competition is probably Slavia Praha. Uh, and even, and, like, they're good for the... The Czech first league, but they play in the Czech first league. Like, yeah, this this should be an easy to the next round situation for the club. Uh, right now, they're tied with Slavia Praha on points. There are six match days. Obviously, things can get weird, but come on, you gotta you gotta you gotta yeah. make sure that this went this one's a win. Um, otherwise, yeah, like there will seriously be major problems if they can't pull off a win against tiny sides in the Europa League group stages. Yeah. I mean, when, when you look at what some of these other teams are up against in their groups, Roma definitely got, got some favors in the, in the draw this year, right? There's no Sociedad like last year. Um, there, there's not, not a team like that from one of the Europe's big five leagues that really make, um, actually it wasn't Sociedad. I'm sorry. That was in the, the knockout rounds. It was Betis, but like a, a Spanish side, no English side. You know, I look at some of the other matchups. Freiburg had, and West Ham are in the same group. You know, two two sides from big leagues. They're this playing could have tomorrow. Been harder. Yeah, Marseille's playing Brighton tomorrow. Atalanta got Sporting Lisbon. You know, a, a more traditional club in in European stages. You know, so just going through some of those matchups of what's just happening tomorrow, and even looking at the complete groups like Villarreal, Stad Ren. Um, you know, so Roma definitely avoided teams that can't that should give them big problems. I mean, Roma. When you look at the I always scroll through the betting lines just to kind of get a read on what people are thinking. Roma is the biggest favorite of any team on match day two. They're minus 575, which basically means to win $100, you have to bet $575, which nobody bets that because it's it's, it's not smart money, right? Um, so when you just look at it from that perspective, that just shows how big of a favorite Roma is. They should cruise no matter who they play. Like They should be able to play a complete rotation if they had 22 players that they could rotate with. Um, which they don't. Villar should start, right? Patricia should get the match off. And, and I mean, if they don't cruise, we're, we have bigger problems. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even want to just win this. Like, this shouldn't be like even a one nothing win. This should be more straightforward, I, I think is the best way I could put it, than the match in Moldova, right? There's I no would, travel. Yeah. You're at the Olympico. Uh, this team is, like you just said, eighth in the Swiss Super League right now. Yeah. There's no excuses. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, honestly, if in an ideal world, this would be an opportunity for a player like Sardar Azmoun to get some good minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him play, I think it was, what, a minute, maybe, 30 seconds uh, of total time. or eh, Probably more than that. I, I guess he came in on, in the 
the 91st minute and there were eight minutes of added time. So he, he got seven minutes against Frosinone. Um I'm hoping that he could get some significant minutes against he's, uh, um, actually, Is he he's, not? He's not. He not he's squad? one of the guys that they had to leave uh, off, I think, for FFP reasons. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought he that was, is not on the I roster. I did not realize. I thought that was limited to somebody else, but I guess it's it's Asmin who didn't. Interesting that he that he only got seven minutes against Frozone. Yeah. Um, then I guess that probably means just based off of the depth chart that you got to hope that the law team maybe gets some minutes against Servette uh, because I like Lukaku. He's been quite impressive. I mean, I feel like this is an understated part of the season so far, given how disappointing Roma have been. But Lukaku has a really mm-hmm. good goal scoring record to start the season. Like he's yeah. he's he's delivered. Um, and I will also say that, like, if he can keep this up, I don't expect him to score every game like he's been doing. But if he's able to keep this up, I don't think it's going to be much of a question that if Roma makes Champions League football, that they're going to drop the 40 million to make Lukaku's transfer a permanent one. That seems like a pretty logical next step if he's able to keep up this form. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I guess that means that we'll hopefully see Belotti start against Servette. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see, you know, maybe Hossem Awar get some more minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's a guy who hopefully as as much as Pellegrini played better against Frosinone, uh, and as much as I want him to succeed at the club, I, I also want Awar to be pushing uh, for one of those starting attacking midfielder spots because worst case scenario, we know that Paolo Dybala isn't necessarily the healthiest player. Uh, and it'll be good to have a player like Awar who can kind of shift into that attacking midfielder role with relative ease, who has quality and who has been racking up minutes already. Yeah, I, I don't want to pile on the minutes on Pellegrini too much. I think Awar, I think this would be a good match for him to get, kind of find his feet again after he had that muscle injury a couple weeks ago. That's kind of been the problem, too. Some of these guys who you're trying to integrate into the squad and, and get them fully going with their teammates, we've had these little... Stops and starts. Awar's had the injury. You know, uh, Pellegrini was injured. Obviously, he's been with the club for a while. Um, but you're getting new midfielders around him, and, and they haven't gotten a chance to work together too much. Um, you know, Sanchez, I mean, stop, start, stop, start again, um, which yeah. has kind of been his reputation. Um, just something that I just thought back to that you said earlier when Pellegrini, you were talking about him and like how much pressure is on him as a, a captain that's not on the level of Francesco Totti. I think that's even amplified in this situation because here you are the captain, you haven't been able to play through this rough spell and you're kind of the, you know, the mouthpiece of the, of the, the squad minus the manager, um, you know, with the fans. And, and here you are on the sidelines injured for this four, one drubbing against um, Genoa. So I, I think that that goal for him yesterday was big in that sense too, right. As the leader of the, the, the squad to kind of get that good feeling for himself and kind of, um, give him a little bit of a, a leash, so to speak, with the I think the supporters too, because he he does come under heavy criticism. I feel yeah. like him and Cristante both get a lot of flack um, more than yes. other players in the squad. And you know, like you said earlier, Cristante's been playing pretty well this season. I, it's kind of a shame he had to get moved back into the defense at this point, right after he had just scored his second goal of the season. He was coming off two goals in three matches, I think. Um, he'd also scored in the Europa League, I think, in the first match. Um, mm-hmm. so he had three goals ready this season. Like he was starting to pull out those Atalanta stops where he was contributing, you know, nine goals a season. Um, so kind of a shame there. Um, yeah. but it is a testament to him that he is one of the more adaptable players in yes. the squad. And I think that's one of the big reasons why I think that there would, 
there would be a lot of other players of his caliber, which is like, you know, national team player for a major nation who, if they scored a goal and then were, and their manager was then like, sorry, you're going to go play in the defense. Now they'd pitch a fit. And something that I think is pretty admirable for Crisante is that he seems like a pretty consummate professional, at least from the outside looking in. And that's probably why a lot of the uh, managers rely on him and trust him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think him being just so adaptable and dear some to managers too, and is willing to do that. Like you said, I think that puts him on, on good footing with a lot of managers and, and really is what makes teammates say, you know what, this guy's a guy who's, who's a leader in, in the dressing room and, and, you know, I think he leads by example in a lot of ways, too. So uh, I think it's a good place to take a quick break. And then we'll talk a little bit about Genoa and some other things that have popped up in the Roma verse today. All right, Jim. So I think we agree. Servette, I mean, if Roma doesn't cruise, like I'm looking personally, I'd like to see at least a three nothing win. Personally, I, I, you know, I might have jinxed it. They probably can see the goal yeah, now somewhere. Seriously. But that that's what I'm expecting if, if Roma's, you know, serious about mounting any kind of challenge in the Europa League in top four. I think you have to kind of brush these kind of teams aside. No disrespect to them. They're still professionals and better than football than you and I will ever be combined. But oh, um, sure. com- compared to Roma, Roma should should push them aside, especially at home. Um, then it yeah. comes to uh, an away trip to Genoa right before the international break. Genoa, like you said, is only on two points. They are um, newly promoted this season after they were in Serie A for a long, long time, right? They're, they're a household name in Serie A. But right now, two points through seven matches. I mean, they have been poor. Um, yes. They've lost four of their last five, with one of those being a draw. They've scored only two goals all season. The only team with a worst goal-scoring record is Empoli with one, and we wiped the floor with them 7 nothing. Yeah. And they've conceded 12, uh, which is not very good either. It's one of the, one of the poor defensive records in the league. Um, so, you know, Roma's conceded 11, so who am I to speak? But... Cali D can be a tough away trip. Going to the island, it's going to be a, a short rest, you know, three days after playing a Thursday match that Cali D won't have to play and some of these other teams really won't have to play. Um, does that worry you at all? No, no matter what the result is on Thursday. As a side note, man, I wish I had work trips to, to Sicily in yeah. the fall. <laughs> that, like, and, we were, and people were saying, like, man, that, that'll be tough. Like, I would love that, man. Man, if you're not uh, called oh. up for international duty, stay there for an extra day or two. Uh, exactly. You know, for, you know, for those days the, off that Enjoy they the get. food. Enjoy the, enjoy the mountain. Love it there. Um, more seriously, yeah, this has got to be a big win again. Um, honestly, let's just be real. As I said before, every match from now until October 29th has to be at least a 1-0 win. Like, I, I don't want anything less than that. And... Cagliari on Sunday, uh, I don't want to hear any excuses. Uh, this needs to be, this doesn't need to necessarily be a 7-0 win in the same way that the Empoli drubbing was, but it does need to be a big win. Uh, and we also hopefully are going to be able to see that the rotation is actually there. One of the things that we were really harping on heading into this season was this idea that Roma had finally developed depth. And... I want to see that in, in action against some of these smaller sides. I want to see that when they play at Cagliari, that players who might not necessarily always get the start, get the start and do just fine against a minnow. Uh, that needs to happen for Roma to be looking for Champions League football. Uh, and as much as Mourinho might get on my nerves for complaining about how Inter has all the luck with their depth and things like that, I mean, he's right. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any question there that inter has more depth than roma but ironically for roma to get more depth 
their current depth needs to show that they can play to the point where they will be viewed as good depth. That I know that's really circular logic there, but like that is how it works for a big club. If you want the finances to work out, you got to show, you got to get Champions League football, which gets you to the point where then you're able to say, we can sign players who are not going to be starting all the time, but who are still valuable players. Uh, and that's going to have to start with players like Sardar Asmun, with players like Seki Selic, with players like Diego Lorente once he comes back, um, or even, you know, midfield, like young players. Like, I want to see Ricardo Pagano or Nicolo Pisili come in, um, quite simply because we need to have more midfield depth right now with uh, Renato Sanchez not necessarily being available all the time. Point being, the depth has to be there to get Champions League football. And then once you get Champions League football, you can get more depth. So it's this kind of circular logic situation that Roma's unfortunately stuck in. But I am optimistic, you know, for this Cagliari match, for the Servette match. The next match that... The next match where I will be satisfied with anything other than a win is going to be October 29th against Inter. If if it's a draw against Inter, I will be satisfied. Um... Beyond those, we need to. There are four matches, uh, kind of on either side of an international break heading, coming up. Roma's got to win all four matches, both matches in in the Europa League group stage and both matches in Serie. A. Yeah, and and just uh, to to give the full calendar, so it's Servette, it's at Cagliari, it's home for Monza on the twenty second. Um, just realized that one's a six thirty a.m. game here in the East Coast. That uh, we we get those once in a while, so that'll be a, a wake up call. Like it, it's a work day, if we're gonna watch that one. And then it's um, home for Slavia Prague, so that's before the trip to the San Siro. So <clears throat> at least there'll be no travel before that after the international break. So yeah, that that calendar. I mean, Monza at home should be a you know it has to be a win. I'm not gonna say should be because Monza. I think that's taken a little step back from last season, but they're still not a, a, a bad side right now. They're sitting 12th. They're technically ahead of Roma. <laughs> a yeah. lot of teams are. Um, if that was a way, I'd one of those morning trickier. matches. Oh God, 6:30 yeah. a.m. 6:30 a.m. We I don't think we had one at all last season. I, I, I don't, don't think we did. Um, we don't get I, the 9 a.m. slot a lot anymore, which I I like that 9 a.m. slot here in the East Coast because you can have your coffee and your breakfast and you sell the rest of the day to yourself sometimes. Yeah, these 12 and these 2:45s. Now that I have a family, it's it's you know. Get, get some issues sometimes yeah. uh and then it be you know becomes becomes an issue for me but <laughs> we'll leave that part aside but um yeah that's gonna be an early one but i, I agree i think it has to be a win i mean the only thing that worries me about caliti is claudio ranietti is the manager and they have elder shimordov as one of their two forwards and i just hope there's no like curse of the x in this one where shimordov goes off and get, gets a brace or something on sunday yeah. um yeah you know i don't think ranietti would ever spite roma because he loves roma too much yeah. Um, but I sure as hell think Eldor Shamordov would if he has the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I still feel weird about the Shamordov experience in Rome. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to be that much of a concern. Uh, like, I, I just I just don't. Uh, he doesn't scare me that much, and clearly he hasn't had that much success to start off this season. Um, just looking through the, the squad that Cagliari is pulling together. Yeah, it doesn't really inspire confidence. It's not like they got promoted and then suddenly they filled up their squad with a bunch of Serie A-level guys, as Monza did um, last season. Uh, Elio Capradossi 
That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Wow. That's a guy yeah. who's going to be, I guess he's 27 now. That makes me feel weird. Um, point being, like, that's kind of the guy. Those are the guys that they've got. They've got a lot of, like, guys who used to be becoming something big and then have not become something big. They've got Gianluca Lapadula. Lapadula. They've got... Yeah. They've got Scufe. I remember when Scufe was going to be the next like big, big time Italy number one, yep. and then Donnarumma showed up. Uh, like, it's just a, it's not necessarily the the most inspiring. Uh, it's a journeyman squad, squad. A lot of the guys. Yeah. yeah. So Roma's really got to win that one for sure. Um, but as I said already, Roma's got to win all of them for the next several yeah. weeks. There's not really an option beyond that. If everyone wants to keep their jobs, I I agree. I, it's, it has to be three points in the Europa League, three points in the league, moving into the international break. Hopefully, get these guys healthy that that need to. Hopefully, we get through these two matches, no injuries. I think I think that's another big one um, because we saw what happened international break last time. You know, Pellegrini got hurt right before it. Uh, Awar got mm-hmm. hurt right before it, and, and you're kind of like restarting again. So hopefully, everybody stays healthy these two matches. Besides getting two wins, and then you get. Um, you know, Smalling and Sanchez back, and then maybe you can you can start cooking a little bit. Hopefully, go, heading into that October 29th match at the San Siro because Rome's gonna need all hands on deck when we get that yep. far, and hopefully being on a good run of form. Um, couple things before we close. Interesting, you know, with the manager stuff going on yesterday, Mourinho post match was asked the freakins and stands, are you happy? And he responded, keep talking about the future. I don't have to do it. My future is the contract with Roma I have until June 30th. The contract is serious for me. And then he was asked a follow-up question. Do you feel the ownership close to you? I don't feel it, and I don't have, even have to say it. Ownership is ownership. The coach must respect that. They want to win matches and are disappointed by the bad result in Genoa. And today they will obviously be happy with the three points. I work for them and the Roma supporters. Um, so I don't know if there's anything to read into that. I mean... The Freakins don't seem like the most warm and fuzzy, friendly owners as it is. Um, they seem to be very businesslike. So I don't, yeah. you know, can't say Mourinho would be wrong maybe in saying he doesn't feel like kind of the the closeness to them because that he, like he said, it's business. You know, they're the owners. They want to win. I want to win. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and then today, I don't know if it's because of those comments, reports popped up that maybe Antonio Conte will be the heir to Jose Mourinho next season. Um, I know Brent wrote up a little piece about that. I don't know. If do you think that's just paper talk? Do you think there's real possibility? I mean, two weeks ago, we were talking about a Jose Mourinho renewal being talked about in December, and now we're talking about um, maybe Conte's the favorite to replace him. Is this just like, if it happens kind of thing? Do you think this is the writings on the wall with the comments? I I, I don't know. I think that the truth is somewhere in between Roma's going to hand him a renewal in December, and Roma's looking for Conte to fill in from the word go. Um Personally, I don't really want Conte. Uh, to me, it'd be like signing Mourinho 2.0, except with way less interest in becoming a fan favorite. Uh, that just, I, like, he generally has a far more aggressive relationship with fans. And I, I, I think that one of the cool things about Roma over the past couple seasons with Mourinho in charge has been just how strong the relationship has been uh, between the Tifosi and the manager in the club, uh, even in harder times, the, the fans have still been showing up at the, at the Stadio Olimpico and have been putting up signs saying they still support Mourinho. I think that's a unique thing that you want to keep. Um, and I know that 
Conte would be the exact opposite of that. Uh, I would I would love it if the Zerbi could come to Roma. If we're talking about dream new managers, I don't think that's realistic at the moment. Even though Brighton had a pretty terrible loss uh, recently, but I I think the truth is somewhere in between. Everything that I've seen from the freaking group so far has been it indicates that they think more in a wait and see kind of mindset. Uh, they're not ones to kind of jump too quickly. That's why Roma doesn't have a cheapo sponsorship on its kit right now. That's why, you know, Mourinho is here in the first place. Um, they are working towards something. I don't think that there's anything about this team that suggests short-term hastiness uh, in management. And that gives me a lot more hope than I think I would have otherwise uh, heading into the next couple of months, regardless of how the form plays out for the squad. Yeah, I, I think it's too soon to tell. What I, what I do think the angle here is with these Conte rumors is pretty much if Mourinho doesn't come back, I think the Friedkins and Roma are going to target a high-profile manager. I don't think they're going to bring in some guy who's just getting started yeah, um, I agree. With that. Expecting to just restart from scratch, and then you know, oh, this guy did good in you know the the Swiss Super League. Let's let's bring yeah. him in and let let's hope for the best. Um, similar to what they did with Paulo Fonseca, right? I, I don't think that kind of hiring is going to happen with the Friedkins here. Friedkins' no, first hire was Jose Mourinho, and they're not going to follow it up with some guy who's who's kind of a relative unknown. I mean, sometimes you can strike gold with that, right? Look at uh, Deserbi; he cut his teeth at Sassuolo. He was at Shakhtar for a little bit before the war broke out, and then Brighton has, has really struck gold with him. But they have yeah. a good they have a good development system behind him, and he's he's making the most of those players. Um, I mean, Conte, the players maybe are there that he would find suitable. Obviously, if they bring Lukaku back, if if he is, uh, if Champions League money is there, and he's he's brought back, and DiBala is sticking around, I think you need a manager of that kind of caliber, and you need Champions League football to want a guy like DiBala to probably stick around and and the such. So. I could see Conte being a fit. Um, his last spell at Spurs wasn't the greatest, um, so we'll see. But I do think coming back to Serie A, he is very familiar with the league. He knows what it takes. I, th- I think he could do very well in in, in the league with Roma um, if they have the right players around him. But the same goes for any other manager, right? You have to have the right players in the squad to be able to compete with the, the big boys. Um, so, I mean, I don't know who else is really out there. If, the, if, if Mourinho doesn't come back, Conte is the most available guy, right? You're not going to want to go. Who, who else is a big name and that might be available? Even if like Allegri gets fired by Juve, you don't want Allegri at this point, right? He plays he plays more dinosaur football than than Mourinho. Um, well, let's also just be real. We didn't think Mourinho was going to be an option when they fired. That's true. Sega. So yeah. So you never um, know. You never know. But I, I do think right now it's somewhere in between. Like you said, I think it, I, I think it's a lot of wait and see what happens with Mourinho in the next couple of months. Like, does Roma turn it around and are they serious contenders for top four? Do they push yeah. for a Europa League title again, and maybe they can get Champions League that way? Um, because if let's be honest, if, if they don't finish top four and they don't win the Europa League and they're not the Champions League next year, I don't, I don't think Mourinho comes back. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think that's just the parting of ways there. But if they qualify for Champions League, then it's more on his plate if he wants to come back. I think, and that's yeah. that kind of gets a little trickier, and we have to be a, more of a wait and see. But I will reiterate, I do not see him getting let go at any point in this season. Let's get really bad very late in the yeah. season when his contract is almost up and they just decide, you know, let's let's call it a day. Because they're not going to pay him from October, the, the $10 million or whatever he gets a season, um, 
to go to go sit and watch uh, matches from his home or go find a job elsewhere. I, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I don't think that it, there's nothing about this team, this management team, that suggested that they want to be paying managers that they've fired. Yeah, and I, I mean, God, I can remember with the Pelota era that at sometimes Roma was playing paying three managers at once. Uh, so you don't, you never. Uh, and I think that the wait and see mentality is going to do Roma well moving forward, at least with this managerial situation. Yeah. So I think we'll wrap there. Uh, not much else going on in the Roma verse. Uh, a lot of matches in not many days. Keep up with the site. We'll have our match previews and, and coverage as much as we can. Uh, you know, we haven't had as much up recently as we normally do. It's been busy with work and, and with this crazy schedule. So keep we'll keep up with it keep up on the boards thank you for again for listening and we'll catch you guys again next week hopefully with roma getting two wins heading into the net international break